Santi and Carlin. I hope that's a uh, liquid exfoliator, not one of those like really hard, coarse ones that end up making you break out even more after you use them. I'm not quite sure what Diana Rossini is using, but her skin always looks great. So just we're just going to defer to Diana going forward. Carlin will look great in no time. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells holding it down at the start of a new week. For the guys, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Courtney R. Cronin is my handle. At Mike Wells, NFL is Mike's. You can also hit us up on the CC call in line, 888 say espn eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. So we're just going on a month now of the Kevin Durant having asked out of Boston or having asked out of Brooklyn. Now the Boston Celtics emerge as a potential team that could trade for his services. Earlier this morning, it was a 2.30 a.m. Eastern time Woj bomb that came out that Boston would be interested in trading for Kevin Durant. How did they enter the mix? Well, let's have Woj tell you himself. Here he is on SportsCenter. Like everyone else, they called they called Brooklyn once it was revealed that Kevin Durant had asked for a trade back on June 30th. And you know, I think like other teams who look at their makeup, where they are uh, in terms of their championship pursuit, and do we have the assets that might interest Brooklyn? And it could bring in Kevin Durant and put us over the top. I think the answers for the Celtics on all those questions are yes. But, of course, at what cost, what price uh, for Boston? That was ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski explaining how Boston got into the KD sweepstakes. And to Woj's point, Mike, they do have the assets. They have three tradable first-round draft picks the next three years. They've got two swaps that they could do, 2024 and 2026. They also have Jalen Brown, who appears to be at the center of a potential trade for Kevin Durant. But according to Jalen Brown's Twitter account, assuming he's referring to all of this like we think he is, doesn't sound like he's too thrilled with the idea, says SMH, which means shaking my head uh, that his name is now getting into thrown into the trade fodder here. Mike, what was your initial reaction in hearing that the Boston Celtics could get in the mix for KD? I asked myself, Why? Why would the Celtics, a team that had the Golden State Warriors on the rope two on the ropes two to one in the NBA Finals, having that young core in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, pieces all sit there. They go out and trade and get a starting point guard and Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers. Why would they want to get Kevin Durant? And I'm not knocking KD. KD is one of the you know top two or three players in the world today. But my question is. He's hit, hit, my issue is his age. Mm-hmm. They have their core pieces there. Boston is set up for success today, tomorrow, next year, five years down the line. They have things there where they can continue to be successful. Kevin Durant is in his thirties right now. He's, you know, he's not on the downhill of his uh, career, but. Unless the Boston Celtics are going to win the championship in the next year or two with Kevin Durant, why break up what is a very strong core? So I, I woke up and I saw I saw the Woj bomb at about six a.m. 
And I, I kind of shook my head. I was like, why would they do it? I was kind of like Jalen Brown with that tweet, Courtney. <laughs> you know, instead of saying SMH, I was just like, why? I just questioned it. So that was my initial reaction when it went, when Woj broke the news off of it. And I, and I saw it in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, is why would a Brad Stevens in the front office say, let's try to potentially break up these, this, this group we have and try to get KD and win a championship next season, even though, you know, Jalen is, you know, seven, seven, I believe seven years younger than uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's 25, and I think that I had a similar reaction, too, because you look back a month ago, this is a team that had the Warriors taken all the way to six games of the NBA Finals, and kind of like the Warriors, which has been my rationale and logic for Golden State to not go after Kevin Durant, you have to give up so much of your roster to get him, so it's the short-term game versus blowing up what you were doing for the lo- with the long-term approach. Now, in that short term, could you win a championship? I think Boston could certainly, Golden State and Boston, but since we're talking Boston, they could certainly make a case to do that. I think we all agree that they were a piece away from getting there this past, uh, these past NBA finals and Jason Tatum, uh, needing another, needing, you know, to ask more of himself, but also not being able to get the most out of the roster the way that it was constructed. Now, they did make moves in free agency. The reason I like their moves, like you had mentioned, Malcolm Brogdon, they finally have a traditional point guard coming to Boston, they didn't have to tear apart their core in order to facilitate that move from taking place. So if Kevin Durant's going to join the Boston Celtics, you've got to ask yourselves, is Jalen Brown enough for the Brooklyn Nets in order to pull the strings to make this trade happen? I say no. I feel like they would have to throw Marcus Smart into the mix there, potentially even more draft capital. So you're not only giving away a huge part of what you do on the defensive end now and a very capable player at that. He was defensive player of the year not that long ago. You're probably having to do way more just to be able to bring a player of KD's caliber into the fold. And you already have a really good thing growing. Like, you know, right now, the way that this Boston Celtics team is constructed, this is a team who might be able to contend for the next five, six, seven years because of where these players are in the prime of their careers. Yeah, yeah, I'm in 100% agreement on that. And and if I'm Brooklyn, I'm starting to say, okay, you know, I question like you just said, is Jalen Brown really, is Jalen Brown enough Maybe, you know, sprinkling that marker smart into the deal. Is that enough to kind of get what should be? I think when we all, when it, when, it, when the news broke a month ago, we thought that Brooklyn was going to be able to clean house all of like what Utah did when they traded Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And now as time has gone on and things have been kind of lukewarm. And then, you know, once, um, DeAndre Ayton, um, the Phoenix Suns matched their deal with him for the DNN Patriots throughout there. And you saw that, okay, the window of trying to maybe get that, that complete, you know, you know, back up the, the, the U-Haul truck and just load up with as many young pieces and draft picks as possible for Brooklyn is not, maybe may not happen. It, it, it may look like, okay, they're going to, not desperate because Jalen Brown's a hell of a player, but still not get, you know, that, that, that overhaul that they originally thought when the news broke a month ago. Yeah. So Jalen Brown right now at the center of these trade talks, it feels like it would probably take more than just, uh, him at the center of this trade in order for that to be facilitated. But this cause this does kind of express a little bit of, Maybe desperation in terms of the Brooklyn Nets, considering there are two teams that feel like viable options for Kevin Durant and the trade package that these that the Brooklyn Nets could could put together here, and that would be 
Boston and Miami. As you had mentioned, Phoenix matched DeAndre Ayton's offer sheet. He's not a tradable asset for them until January 15th next year. So it does feel like maybe they've taken themselves out of the KD mix because of some of the things that would preclude them from using their best tradable asset in an offer. So if it's down to like two teams, what do you think would be the better deal? Like, you know, we... If you're looking at players you'd be sending back from Miami potentially to the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, it, you know, we know who we know who he wants to play with. He wants to play with Jimmy Butler. He wants to play with Bam Adebayo. He wants to play with Kyle Lowry. So, like, are you starting to look at centering a package around Tyler Hero? And then you have to ask yourself again: What would be enough compensation to send back to the Boston Celtics in exchange for Kevin Durant coming here? And that that as constructed is an older team than what the Boston Celtics currently are. Yeah, it's Brooklyn is in a very tough position because this is not a case where Brooklyn is one, you know, went into the offseason wanting to trade Kevin Durant. It was Kevin Durant who went to them, to the front office and said, hey, I would like to play elsewhere next season. So it's a player that doesn't want to be part of the organization. And so then the organization has to be as selfish as possible as they look to get returns because the reality is the Brooklyn Nets who went into the 2021 season, 2021-22 season as title contenders with Kyrie, KD, and James Harden now is in potential of of a rebuild mode where they're going to have to just essentially just kind of blow it all up and with young players, get young players, get draft picks so they I don't mind them being patient if they got to go into into the regular season with Kevin Durant on the roster Courtney more power to them because don't just make a trade just to make a trade to you know to appease the player you got to you got to be selfish here so what would it take how much would be enough for Kevin Durant we're going to get into that coming up next after I tell you this from Indeed The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all of the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, every walk-off. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every ticket from the box seats to the bleachers. Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. It has been really quiet of late on the Kevin Durant watch. Woj finally gave us a little nugget. He said the Boston Celtics now are in the mix. That's just like you got mama sweet potato pie. In the pan that somebody cut off and they ate all the pie. It's only a tiny piece. And you taste that pie and you want more. See, the Boston Celtics, they tasted that success. They went to the NBA Finals. Kevin Durant is the whole sweet potato pie. They want all of it. Could bringing Kevin Durant and put us over the top. I think the answers for the Celtics, yes. But of course... At what cost, what price for Boston? Danny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, hanging out for the guys on this Monday afternoon. Let's tap in now with Frank Isola. He's from Around the Horn and Sirius XM NBA Radio to break down a little bit more of the potential KD to Boston trade. Frank, thanks so much for the time. I'm going to start there. Should Boston aggressively pursue Kevin Durant. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, I'm going to start right here, though. How are you guys doing? Courtney's the new rising star at ESPN. She holds her own with Chris Russo. As Chris would say, that's a good job by you there, Courtney. And I'll guarantee you that Mike Wells, who I've known for a million years, I knew when he was a pup covering the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'll guarantee you he has said Kevin Garnett mistakenly instead of Kevin Durant at least one time during the show. Be honest, Man, Mike. Actually, it, it was like two weeks ago when the news broke. I truly said, because I was comparing uh, KG, you know, staying loyal to the Minnesota Timberwolves instead of saying Kevin Durant. I probably did it four times in the show, Frank, and you're right, Courtney. I've known Frank for uh, I, I've known Frank for 20 years now since I first started coming to NBA. Yeah. So we go way back. We he set me up with a trail spree well, so that tells you how far back um, Frank and I go, Court. That is awesome. As they say, Courtney, I opened the books. It was like the mafia. I told uh, <laughs> I told the trail that Mike Wells is a friend of ours, and then he was he was good to go. But getting back to your original question, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I do a radio show, Brian Scalabrini, in the morning, and it was on June 24th. Now, this was before Kevin Durant. Uh, the story came out from Agent Wardenowski that Kevin Durant had asked the Nets to trade him. Uh, Brian had said the deal that would make the most sense if Kevin Durant doesn't want to be there anymore would be the Boston Celtics trading. He said at the time, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice, three first-round picks and two rights to swap. Now, obviously, Tice has since been traded. They would have to include somebody else. But the one thing about a trade for Jalen Brown, which would satisfy the Nets, is you know the Nets aren't looking to you – know, usually when you're trading your superstar, you're kind of starting over again. But because the Nets have so many of their first-round draft picks – headed to the Houston Rockets, they're looking to remain competitive. So they went out and they got T.J. Warren, and they went out and they got Royce O'Neal from the Utah Jazz. So they're looking not only to get picks, but they want players, a player like Jalen Brown, a budding you know, star in the league that they could plug right in and still remain competitive next season. Frank, when you look at it from the Boston perspective, obviously, you know, Jalen is in his mid-20s. Uh, KD is, you know, what, 33, 34 years old. With Boston, why would they want to break up what could be a team that could be successful for the next five, six years to think more in the short term because what's KD can maybe take play at his peak, what, three, four more years? Why, why would, from Boston's perspective, why pull, why pull that off? Try to make that happen. I know. And you know, the, the one thing about Kevin Durant, I do their games on the S Network. You know, obviously, the guy is a brilliant player, but he has missed a lot of games the last three seasons. Obviously, the one full season recovering from the Achilles injury. But the next two years in Brooklyn, he did miss a lot of games. Now, he was great last season during the regular season. He had a, you know, they had the best record in the league until one of his teammates rolled into his knee, and then the whole thing fell apart. And then he didn't play that well in the playoffs. Now, I get it. Boston was kind of loading up on him, but he did not have a great playoff. If I'm the Boston Celtics, if I have to give up 
Jalen Brown and another starter, somebody like Marcus Smart, I, I don't know about that if I'm them. But my only thing with Boston would be maybe they think that Jalen Brown, and obviously we've already seen the way that he's responded to hearing his name out there. He sent out the tweet that, you know, shaking my head. Maybe they think in two years when Jalen Brown is a free agent that he's going to leave. And maybe they're thinking, let's get something for him now as opposed to waiting because what's gone on the last couple of years, he's heard his name be mentioned a couple of times. And may, I have no idea, maybe behind the scenes, there's some petty jealousy between he and Jason Tatum. You never know about that stuff. So maybe the Celtics are thinking, we'll be better right this minute if we bring in Kevin Durant and then we'll deal with it down the road, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to, you know, add another player later on. Frank Iasola from Around the Horn and Sirius XM NBA Radio joins Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells on Canty and Carlin. Isn't that the same argument that we've been making about the Warriors, though, that the short-term gain very well could result in a championship, but the way that that roster is constructed and the way that the Boston Celtics roster is constructed is very similar. Like They built through the draft these last couple years, and they have a team that has a championship window it could contend for the next five, maybe even seven, eight years. Like They'd be blowing it up potentially for a championship this next year, but Kevin Durant's 34 years old this season. Like, how do you think that Boston is weighing the short-term burst that it could get from KD versus like all the work that they've done the last few years with Brad Stevens now in a different role, helping guide the construction of this roster to not having to start over two years from now, if he ends up hanging it up in a couple years. No, I think there's a good point here during the NBA uh, finals up in Boston, you know, the shirts that they were handing out, they were focused on winning that 18th title. And that became like a big theme about getting that next title. And I get it. Every team wants to win, but there are organizations that are obsessed with it. Obviously, the Lakers are one. I think Pat Riley is the same way. And I think, you know, if you can get a player like Kevin Durant, I think for Brad Stevens, you know, I think it's hard to turn down. But again, at what cost? Because to your point, Courtney, you know, they did have a 2-1 series lead on the Golden State Warriors, and they had a lead in the fourth quarter. It wasn't until Steph Curry, probably under the circumstances, put together the, mo- you know, the most cr- uh, crucial and critical performance of his life. He got the series even. Then, of course, they go on to win games five and six. So they were right there. And I thought Tatum kind of wore down a little bit. You know, he'd been playing basketball. He went from, you know, a long uh, season right to the Olympics, and he had obviously a long playoff. I thought that he wore down a little bit. To me, they're right there. And Kevin Durant, again, is an unbelievable player. But to your point, he turns 34 in September. He's dealt with some injuries over the years. If you're going to tell me he's going to play 65 games, he'll be good for the playoffs, all right, that's a different story. But we don't know. that. You know, it, It's going to be a gamble. I don't think it's as much of a no-brainer as maybe it would have been a year ago trading for Kevin Durant. I think under the circumstances where Boston is and how close they came to winning, I'm just not giving up everything to make this trade happen. Yeah, and Frank, you know, before before we let you go, how do you think people will look at KD if he once again left a team to join a team that beat him in the playoffs the previous season, like what happened when uh, they lost to Golden State when he was with OKC and lost to Golden State in the playoffs? I, I think – Early on, people will say some of the same things that they said in Golden State, but 5, 10, 15 years from now, that stuff tends to wear off. And guys, let's say they win one title. People would say, oh, Kevin Durant is a three-time champion. I, that's why I just wish he would stay in Brooklyn. Now, he's the one that wanted to play with Kyrie Irving. That seems to be where the issues are. But Brooklyn would still have a, a pretty good team. I have no idea what kind of player Ben Simmons is going to be this season, but they have talent there with uh, Seth Curry, 
Joe Harris, and they'd have Kevin Durant on the team. I, I don't know why how they got swept this year. You know, Boston did sweep them, and like I said, Kevin Durant didn't play well. I think in the short term, because we do have a lot of talk about legacy and things like that, but I don't know. 10 or 20 years from now, if he wins one more, everyone says, oh, Kevin Durant, three-time NBA champion. Yeah, some people still bring up him going to these ready-made teams, but a lot of players have done that in the past. So I, th- I think it's just the way that the league operates now. There he is. You can see him on Around the Horn. You can hear him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He is Frank Ayasola. Kind enough to join Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells here on Canty and Carlin. Frank, thanks so much for the time. Courtney and Mike, keep up the good work. I'll see you guys. All right, brother. Be good. All right. Teams are done are starting to report to training camp in the NFL, and we're going to find out if the Bills have done enough to finally get past the Chiefs when it matters most. That's next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Canty and Carlin. Status quo isn't the sexiest of things in the NFL, nor is it usually expected when it comes to training camp, but that's what the Buffalo Bills are hoping for. They have one of the NFL's most complete rosters. They were 13 seconds away from getting to the AFC Championship game last year, and they're trying to run it back with an even stronger group than last year's roster in hopes of getting past the Chiefs and getting to the AFC title game and then to the Super Bowl. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. Let's tap in now with someone who knows the Bills well, Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here on the CC call-in line. Diana, like, where is this team's confidence? heading into the 2022 season. Well, hello, Corny. I've uh, enjoyed watching you all over ESPN, which seems to be working every single shift. I'm not sure uh, if they're giving you extra pay or what, but they they, they need to. You've done a really Thank phenomenal you, job. You, you, you know a little bit about everything and then a lot about everything. Kind of how much knowledge you have. Uh so, all right, let's talk Bills. So, and, and what what a fun team to dive into, right? Because you can really pick any part of this Bills roster, and, and we could probably have a five minute interview on, on each player just on the impact that they've made. Because Brandon Bean, the GM, has done such a good job putting this roster together. And you know, recently, actually, I did Buffalo Radio, and we were talking about the addition of Von Miller and what he can do you know, to the defense as, you know, he's looking to be the first player in NFL history to win three Super Bowls with three different teams, uh, you know, which would be insane. And, and you know, the thing that just stands out to me is forget Von Miller. Just take a look at this Bills defense without them. He makes them better without a question. But, you know, obviously that's a gigantic addition. But the Bills, they're just they're fine without him. They have that good of a defense. They, in fact, I think their head coach and defensive coordinator and Leslie Frazier, they've done such a great job, uh, sometimes even a little overlooked, um, over the last few seasons of how they put that D together and the standard they hold them to. And, and, and that's something that – that's probably like my biggest takeaway from covering the Bills even last season, just when they disappointed – uh, and, and came out and made mistakes, they, they really held each other accountable – and and the team carried that. That that was something that was very different from what I saw from other teams and they made mistakes. A lot of pride there in Buffalo. So I can't believe I started off talking about their defense and not going into Josh Allen, obviously, and that uh, electric offense. But but to me, that's just 
that's that little part of them that I think makes them unique and why they've been my pick all, all off season to win the Super Bowl. Well, good. You talk about stealing my next question, Diana, because uh, you know we on our call in line today. We were going to ask who's the team to beat in the in the, in what is a very loaded AFC, and clearly you're going with the uh, Buffalo Bills as a team that can reach the Super Bowl. So let's let's segue and say who was a team that can push them and represent the AFC instead of Buffalo. Right. So I bring up Brandon Bean as the GM that put together a roster. Well. Then them, it, I can't talk about a great GM if, and, and not talk about Kansas City's GM and, and what he's been able to do. And however, yes, he's got Patrick Mahomes the way Buffalo has Josh Allen. But you know, right now we're we're seeing some concern with some contract situations on their offensive line with Orlando Brown, and and from the conversations I've had, that's going to get worked out. By the way, my pick is Kansas City, by the way, to answer your question. I just realized I didn't even answer your question. I just got excited to talk about the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs are the, the other team. I think we're going to see this again, see them butt heads uh, in the playoffs once again. Because, look, I, I know Tyreek Hill is no longer there. That, that there's, I don't want to ever play that down uh, because he, he's not just a player. He's not just a receiver. He was really... Patrick's security blanket in so many different situations and moments, and you can't replicate that speed with the roster that they have. Um, you know, but even just talking to some of those guys recently as camp is getting going, they, no one is worried about it. They're so past it, and there's always so much confidence in what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can do, which is why I have the confidence. Because you can sense, and you guys know this from covering the game, you can feel from conversations with players, especially ones that just are used to winning when there's a little panic, when there's a little concern over a situation, they need not say it because they don't want you ever, you know, to, to put it on TV or write about it, but you, you know, and, and I don't, I just don't feel it when I've talked to Patrick or I've talked to any of the other players uh, just about what they're doing. It's just, they're, they're just ready for the next challenge. And, and I think it's something good for the Chiefs. We saw them struggle with a, with their, Offensive line in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay Bucks. They went out, they signed some studs, and they fixed that problem. Now that's really no longer an issue. So they fix the issues when they see them, and 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 I don't I don't think they see this as a big problem. We're talking with Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us on Canty and Carlin. <laughs> to that note, Diana, how does this Chiefs offense change with Tyreek Hill no longer a part of it? And you had mentioned some of the players they brought in, Juju Smith Schuster. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Ronald Jones in this mix, too. It feels like they brought in you know, some good reinforcements but might have to tweak things around just a little bit offensively with Cheetah somewhere else. Exactly. I've, I've asked them. I was like, okay, paint this picture for me. Like, What, what is the Kansas City offense specifically? And it, and it doesn't sound like it, we're going to go watch them this year and be like, whoa, like, what is this? You know, they're tweaking – um, some of the things they, they're not, they know that they can't replicate the speed. That's always like the lead. And when you talk to these guys about what's going to be different, they, they know that the, that cheat is not there, as you said, um, you know, but guys like Hardman are going to have to step in and, and that's really the player that they're, they're looking to again, not the same speed, but it's manageable when you have a Patrick Mahomes. I don't want to say you don't need it, but because Patrick can create so much with his legs and is so comfortable in the pocket and patient, 
Um, and, and obviously just, you know, the, the, the whole athleticism that he that he has and the and the plays that he's able to come up with that we don't even know how he's able to do it sometimes. That becomes the weapon again, you know, and sometimes we, I don't want to say we forget about it, but because Cheetah was so good, you, you, when you go back and watch some of it and you even talk to them, a lot of it's Patrick creating it. Um, so just as long as they have him, I think there's that confidence that they're going to be able to, to not have to drastically change and it's not going to look that different. That's, that's what I've been able to gather uh, here in late July, but we will see how much, uh, you know, they will be tailoring this over the next, we'll say, month or two. And you had mentioned McCall Hardman's speed, 4-3-3-40 at the Combine in 2019. Also, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, no slouch uh, in the speed no. department, too. 437 mm-hmm. 40 speed. That's speed that you have to respect. So while they may not have the unicorn in Tyreek Hill, they've got other pieces that can help them stay where they were in the AFC and maybe even take a step further. As long as Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, you're probably in a good position to do that. She is Diana Rossini. You will see her everywhere over the next month as training camp starts gearing up for all 32 NFL teams. The Bills already in training camp. The Chiefs are as well. We will keep it locked here on Canty and Carlin. Diana will be back certainly to help us break down all the top headlines as we wager on through the dog days of training camp. Diana, thanks so much. Thanks. Can't wait for the Bears coverage. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. No problem. We are looking forward to it, too. So I, real quick, Mike, um, Tyreek Hill made a really interesting comment today on first take. He he tapped in from Miami ahead of when the Dolphins are set to report. And he said that it, it was it was just interesting about Zach Wilson, because remember, he was going to go to the Jets or he was going to go mm-hmm. to Miami. And he said that he really like respects Zach Wilson, thinks that he has a great, you know, a great tool set, but he wanted to play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. That is who he's referring to as, as two attack of LOI. I hear you laughing, so I'd like to get your response to that. I, I, I can only I can only laugh about that. I mean, listen, it, it could come you know by week two or three where he says, "Man, I miss Patrick Mahomes." Because the reality is, Tua Tua Tunga Tunga Tavola is not even he's not even guaranteed to be the franchise quarterback at Miami. So listen, we'll see we'll see if Tyreek says that at the midpoint of the season still. Tyreek Hill was not the only top wide receiver on the move this offseason. We'll hear from Devontae Adams and what he had to say about his new quarterback in Vegas. That's next. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Canty and Carlin. Ian Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. We wake up every day with two things on our plate. Chance. And choice. And according to Today in Sports, there's a series of tough choices that we all must have to make. And if you go to their Twitter account, at Today in Sports Co., there are nine burgers that you have to choose from. Culver's, In-N-Out, McDonald's, Whataburger, Wendy's, Carl's Jr., Shake Shack, Burger King, and Five Guys. I'm going to go ahead and ask you without having you, – you can't add any to the mix here, so you got to choose from this list. you got to choose one of these fast food burgers, which you going with? Man, I am going to and, – and I know people are going to be upset with me because everybody's going to say 
in and out, just like our producer Evan, but we're not going to put him on blast quite yet. I am going to say, I'm going with Shake Shack. I have fallen in love with Shake Shack's burger. It's simple. There's nothing special behind it. Slap some, give me some, give me a couple pieces of bacon, and I'm a happy man, and they're made fresh. Made fresh is the key and simple. I'm not one of those fancy, over-the-top, need one of those 20 million different sauces. So okay. Shake Shack is my pick, Court. All right. So I can understand that pick, and I've had Shake Shack before. It's quite good. There's different calibers of fast food burger, even within these nine. I mean, something like Wendy's. Wendy's is, you know, I know they like to talk about their fresh beef that they have, fresh, never frozen. That's a, it's a big deal. Um, Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King fall into the fast food category. I think Shake Shack and Five Guys are that step above. I remember when I was in Charlotte covering the Vikings-Panthers game this past year, I went to Five Guys for dinner, and it took me 25 minutes to get my hamburger. Granted, there was a line, but it took me quite a while to get the burger that I had ordered. And yes, it tastes fresh. It is absolutely worth it. But when I'm looking for something that's a quick meal, and I used to do this when I covered high school sports in Mississippi because Whataburger was open until 1 a.m. near my house, I would either get the honey buddy, honey butter chicken biscuit or I'd go with the burger that is on this list of nine. It is a terrific, underrated cheeseburger. This one's a double pe- double meat one. I think you can also go with a single and watch your calories if that's like what you're looking at. But for me, it's Whataburger. So I guess both of us are kind of in the same realm, but I take it a step below because I want to go through the drive-thru and get it. Well, you almost you almost scared me when you said the honey honey butter uh, chicken chicken. I thought you I thought you were breaking the rules on that, Courtney. But no. yeah, I'm just glad you didn't say in and out. That's that's why you and I are homies because you didn't say in and out. No, no in and out, no mustard, animal sauce stuff for us. We like our burgers normal and with cheese. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. ESPN Radio is presented, as always, by Progressive Insurance. So Devontae Adams has a new home after the Green Bay Packers franchise tagged him. Then they traded him to the Las Vegas Raiders. He gets reunited with his college teammate, Derek Carr. The two of them put up video game numbers in their last season together in 2013 at Fresno State. And that's what they're going to try to do this season in Las Vegas in arguably the hardest division in the NFL, in the AFC West. So training camp's already open for the Raiders, and Devontae Adams was interviewed by CBS Sports and talked about going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. I mean, anytime you change quarterbacks from, you know, a Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, you go, you know, Stabler to, to Rich Gannon or whoever you go to, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, both are, are great players and, and great to be around. So I'm just enjoying that process and, and getting better myself, you know, trying to do as much as I can to, to help these guys go out there and win as many games as we can. What? So from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, we all know that Aaron Rodgers is in that category. Derek Carr not quite, still a very good quarterback, but a quarterback who has not won a playoff game in his career. So, of course, these comments end up getting magnified, and Devontae Adams goes back to clarify what he meant at a press conference. Being a rapper is is very vital. I say one of the you got to have the bars. Obviously, you know you got to have the bars. You got to have the lines got to be there. But a very very vital and critical piece of being a rapper is the delivery, right? I wasn't a great rapper the other day. What I'm not going to do is take away from that statement because 
why 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 is Derek not a, a Hall of Famer? You know, but what I what I meant, I left one key word out of there because it's, that's not exactly what I meant. But I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and and why not? I mean. You know, people can can say that about this guy, that guy. What I would say is, does he have the the MVPs right now? You know, no. Does he has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. You know, that's obviously what we're what we're chasing. But what I meant to say was, even if you go Hall of if you go even Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. You know, I meant like even if it is Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, there's going to be an adjustment. Or he could have just said from Hall of Fame quarterback to future Hall of Fame quarterback and then saved himself the rigmarole of having to explain what he just did. I think he would have been uh, in a better place. I understand what he's doing here. He loves Derek Carr. I believe that he's the godfather to Derek Carr's children. Like These two have a very storied past. They work out together every single offseason, and it's not just two guys that are lifting weights. Like they're th- He's throwing to Devontae Adams, and Derek Carr right now, now is coming off a season where he threw for 4,800 yards. He's on the cusp of a 5,000-yard season. So much of that is going to be dependent upon the chemistry and the connection that he's able to build at the NFL level with Devontae Adams. But Mike, we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. What's your takeaway with him kind of doubling down and saying that Derek Carr has had a Hall of Fame worthy career, even though we know he has not even won a playoff game? Well, uh, listen, Devontae would have been best saying a potential future Hall of Famer. Yeah, couch it however you have to couch it. Like, use all of the words, like a rapper would. because, you know, obviously we know Aaron Rodgers. He's a shoe and He's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, But but I I get it. You know, listen, he has history with Carr. And, you know, going back to, you know, when they were teammates at Fresno State, now he's going to be catching passes for them in the best division in football. And they got a ch- he's got a chance to elevate Derek Carr's uh, resume even more and even, you know, uh, take him to say, well, you know what, after this season, Derek Carr is going to be a Hall of Famer, not potential. That's what Devontae Adams is capable of doing this season. And listen, people, I- I've always felt like Derek Carr has been a very underrated quarterback in the NFL I think he's better than what people uh, believe what he's done so far in his career Mm -hmm. now we're really going to see it now that he's got that wide receiver to go with Hunter Renfro in in the slot and having Josh McDaniels as as his head coach I think Derek Carr is going to elevate his game even further and then this time next year I think if Devontae Adams was asked about Derek Carr he won't have to say potential Hall of Famer in my opinion the last time we saw these two on the field, 2013, which would have been Carr's last year at Fresno State, I believe that was a redshirt sophomore year for Devontae Adams, 131 catches for 1,719 yards and 24 touchdowns. 
for Devontae Adams. Video mm. game numbers, which might not be replicated as easily in the NFL, considering you are going against uh, NFL defenses and not FBS defenses, but nonetheless... Devontae Adams is going to make Derek Carr a better quarterback. And on top of that, you saw the production that Derek Carr had with Hunter Renfro last year. Renfro Renfro caught 80% of the passes that Derek Carr threw to him, and that very much is on the wide receiver, but it's also on the chemistry and the placement of the ball that Derek Carr had built with with Hunter Renfro last year. So I do think, to your point from earlier, like the, the offense with Josh McDaniels, everything else that's going to be coming his way, Devontae Adams is actually in a better situation with the Vegas Raiders than he would have been had he stayed with Aaron Rodgers and thinking that out long term, uh, had he stayed in Green Bay. Coming up next, we're going to get Chris Canty's thoughts on this and ask him why he thinks the Chiefs actually have a better wide receiver core without Tyreek Hill. That's next.